Hey, and thanks so much for taking a moment to visit our podcast. Our mission at Antioch FBC is to grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus and go to our neighbors in the nations. We want you to be encouraged by this podcast and hope even more that you would come be a part of what God is doing in the community of Antioch. To find out more, visit us at www.antiochfirstbaptist.org. And now, stay tuned for a message from Pastor Matt. He said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? Because of your little faith, he told them. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mr. Langford. This morning we come to a text in Matthew 17 that has been widely used in the church, and I'm even going to say widely misused within the church today. We hear this word faith, and faith defined, and, and if you ask people within the church, you're most likely to get a myriad of understandings, depending on what sort of background or person or church they might have been involved of. This idea of faith is one we talk about, especially when it comes to believing that Jesus is the Christ and coming to know him as Savior. But faith is not just for the new convert. Faith is something that we continue to grow in as we continue to follow Jesus. But I want us to focus for our time today, and to give you the, 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 the message subject, the message summary, right here in the front, and we're going to see this happen as we follow through the day. It's not about the quantity of our faith. We're, we're not going to focus on the amount of our faith. We're going to talk about the object of our faith. And we're going to see how Jesus is pointing us to that. I think many, many times we hear someone say, well, if you'll just have enough faith, God will hear you. Or if you just have enough faith, your prayers will get answered. But we're going to see today when Jesus he does mention the amount. He does use the, the words little and, and quantity. But what he's trying to do is not to point them towards that, but to point them to himself, the object of our faith. And so this morning, before we get into our text, as we have made our practice, let's take just a moment of silence to quiet our hearts. We'll ask the Spirit to open our ears to hear and our hearts to be transformed. If you're not accustomed to silence, it can be sometimes a, a daunting thing. Sometimes thoughts begin to bombard your mind. So if that happens in this moment and this time, simply pray, Spirit, quiet my heart and give me ears to hear. So let's take just a moment to prepare.
Amen. So we'll begin our text this morning as we see this man who approaches Jesus. So let's pay close attention as we read these first few verses, not only about what he says, but what he does and how he approaches him. Look at verse 14 through 16. He says, when they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So first we see that this man approaches Jesus. And what does it say he does? He kneels down. He kneels down before him. And then he begins his request with specific wording. Lord, have mercy on my son. This posture that this man is taking is the exact posture that the people in the Old Testament used when they were exclusively praying to God the Father. So we see all throughout the Old Testament that that many people would come praying. They would kneel down just as this man did. And they would begin their words with, Lord, have mercy on me. So not only is this man approaching Jesus, he's giving reverence to Jesus, but in the same way, he's coming to him as saying with his actions, with his kneeling, with his have mercy on me, Jesus, you are God. So we need to see that from the very beginning, that this man is not, not, he has not misunderstood who Jesus is. He knows that Jesus is God, therefore he's approaching him in reverence, as if he is God, because he is. He also gives us this detailed description of what is happening to his son, right? He wants Jesus to know exactly what his son is dealing with. So he tells them he always has seizures. And not only does he have seizures, it's causing harm to him. He is falling into fires. He is falling into water. And and while that may seem odd, it is very common in this context for fires to be set about because it was how food was cooked. It is how warmth was given. And so there would be open fires all around. And then think about how water is received. And so wells were everywhere. And so this, this, this boy would have these seizures, and with, without his control, he would fall into the fire. He would fall into the water. It's a very dangerous situation. But here's what I want us to see from this man's description. Jesus wants us to speak to him in that same way. Well, what do I mean by that? Some, some might say, eh, Jesus is omniscient. He, he knows. Jesus knows my need. I, I don't have to tell him. He's sovereign. He's in control of everything. There's no need to, to waste time or, of me telling him what is going on. That is not the stance that we should take before our Savior. Jesus wants us to tell him what we're struggling with. He wants us to pray. He wants us to pour pour out our hearts to him. Think about it this way. If you've got a story to tell and you call up your best friend, you call up your bestie and you're like, I got some stories to tell you. Why is it that when we're talking to the person that is most closest to us, we give them all the details, don't we? 
We don't hold back. We want them to know just as if you were there. Every little thing that I experienced, every little thing that I was able to see, I want to, to tell you this story just so you can know as if you were there with me. But take a step back a little bit. Maybe we're talking to someone that we're not as familiar with. Do we get that intimate with them in details? No, we probably leave some things out. We probably give more of a summary if we're talking to someone who is less close to us, who we're not as intimate of a relationship is. Now, now think about that for a second, what I just set up. How often do we treat Jesus? How often do we treat God as if we're praying as someone who is distant, who is not connected with us, who is not in an intimate relationship with us, and we just sort of throw up the summary? But see, God desires for our relationship with him to be just as intimate. God desires for us to be drawing near to him. And scripture says he draws near to us. So it's okay and it's right and it's good that we lay before him our needs. He doesn't get tired of us coming to him. He wants us to share. He wants us to pour out our heart to him. Jesus is near to us. He wants to be that intimate friend. So don't be afraid to think, oh, I'm bothering him. Does he really care about all the details that my heart is suffering through? He does. He wants his children to come and pour out themselves to him. So don't be afraid to get that intimate and that detailed with our prayers and with Jesus. So we see that, again, this, this man, he has done that. He's, he's laid before him all the things that are happening with his son. And at the end, he ends with, I brought them to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. What an interesting, interesting moment here. And we see how Jesus responds in verse 17. Jesus replied, you are unbelieving you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. It's obvious Jesus is frustrated. We can see that, that through his response that he is, is frustrated because he is spending his time teaching the disciples and showing them how to, to follow him and show them, showing them how to minister to the people, yet they're not following through on it. And so here he says, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Let's take a closer look at this response and see who it's directed at. It's more than just the Father, because what we see here is not only is Jesus admonishing this situation, he's also admonishing the disciples. He's talking to the disciples and saying, you were not able to heal this boy. But when he uses that word, that perverse generation, what we need to remember is not only is Jesus being followed around by his disciples, but he's also being followed around by a crowd. And as we have learned throughout Matthew, this crowd is just looking for the spectacle. They're just following to see what's he going to do next. How are you going to do next? Now think about it. Again, since Jesus began his outwardly earthly ministry, he's been traveling around from town to town preaching and teaching. And as we saw back in Matthew 10, Jesus gave the authority and the power over demons and unclean spirits to his disciples. 
so they would be able to drive them out. So when Jesus reminds them, hey, I called you to do this. I gave the authority and the power for you to do this. But what we see happening is that the problem overshadowed the power of Jesus. The disciples saw the problem and they forgot the power of Jesus. He says, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? (laughs) Now remember what just happened. Just last week, we looked at what happened in the previous verses, and we learned about the purpose and the meaning behind the transfiguration. And so the transfiguration was Jesus revealing himself, a portion of himself as God to Peter, James, and John, right? They went up on the side of the mountain. They saw him glowing. They saw his glory being revealed. And they just saw this, and they were experiencing this and witnessing this, from Jesus, you would imagine, or you would at least think that after going through what, what would be an amazing experience, that nothing would keep them from believing. Nothing would keep them from being able to fill the calling Jesus gave them. But as we have seen from the disciples, this is not surprising in any way, is it? It's not surprising in any way, because as we have learned and read throughout the book of Matthew, the disciples quickly forget, don't they? Do you remember when the disciples were faced with the second group of hungry people in the crowds? They had already experienced the feeding of the 5,000. They had already experienced Jesus providing with five loaves and two fish. And then they came across another group of about 4,000 men with some uh, women and children there. And even when that came about, the disciples said, where are we going to get the food? You remember that? They had just experienced Jesus performing this amazing miracle. And yet here they stand before this group of hungry people again and they go, how are we going to do it? They quickly forgot. And so I think that's what we're seeing happening here. Even though Jesus had been revealed to them as as God, he had shown him a portion of his glory, the disciples, again, when faced with this man and his son, completely forgot the power and that they were giving the authority and the power to heal through Jesus. Look at verse 18. Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And from that moment on, the boy was healed. Man, I love this. Because you know what? Jesus still healed the boy. Jesus was still gracious to this father and this family, and this child was healed, as it says, from that moment on. This is good news for us. This is good news for us that Jesus is our sovereign Lord, that his plans for us were set before the foundation of the world, and he will do what he wills. Now, there are some that would say Jesus is not in control. There are some that would say that that Jesus is limited in what he can do based on our confession. Well, 
The Bible does talk about that we should have a confession of faith. And the Bible does say that our words are powerful. But we must never get to a place where we believe that Jesus is limited in any way as to whether or not we say the right thing or not. Because if it gets to a point where it is up to our confession to get Jesus to move, then Jesus is no longer God because we would then hold the power. If we say that our words control or limit the power of Jesus, then we have dethroned the King of Kings and placed ourselves above him. We see this example happening right here, right? Because Jesus is not limited by the doubts of the disciples. Because if, if it was the disciples' confession that, that got the healing transferred to the boy, and if it was their confession that, they, that Jesus had to depend on, then he never would have been allowed to heal them. If Jesus was waiting on the disciples to get it right, and if Jesus was saying, it is up to you to say the right things in order to get me to move, then he would not have been able to heal this boy because the disciples were doubting. You see that? If Jesus was limited to only do what we say or we confess, then according to what is happening right here, he's stepping out of the bounds of that by healing this boy, if it was solely left up to the disciples' confession of faith, then Jesus would have had to wait until the disciples got it right, then healed him. But that's not what happened. Jesus heals the boy, even though the disciples were doubting, even though the disciples couldn't. This should give us and does give us hope. that we cannot put a limit on what Jesus wants to do. <laughs> he is the sovereign king, and he moves and wills as he see fit. He does call us to pray, and he does call us to have faith. He does call us to confess, but you and I should be thankful that even in our doubt, we cannot keep Jesus from moving and healing. Amen? That's good news. Look at verse 19. It says, then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? The disciples get alone with Jesus and they ask him, why couldn't we heal this boy? And I love this too, because here's what it shows, that even in their defeat, they come back to Jesus to learn and to understand even after not being able to heal the boy, they come back to Jesus to keep learning, to keep understanding what he is doing. It would have been much easier for them to just drop their heads in shame and defeat and just give up, but they didn't. They went back to Jesus and says, we need more of you. We need more of you. We need to talk with you more. We need to understand more from you. Would you teach us? This is a quality and a posture that I want all of us to have as followers of Jesus. There are going to be times when we do not follow what Jesus says. That's why we had to do confession of sin this morning. 
There are going to be times when we too forget. There are going to be times when we put our hope in something else rather than in Jesus. And what we need to do when we realize it is not be able to be afraid and ask for forgiveness and come back to Jesus and say, please teach me more. I I need more of you. I need to learn more. We talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago when we, when we said Jesus looked at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. And we talked about that, how that was Jesus not casting Peter out, but saying, hey, there's more for you to learn. Keep following me. And so when we do fail, and then this was a public failing too. Think about this. The crowds are around. The man has come and asked, G, or asked the disciples to heal his son, and they didn't do it. I can imagine there's some embarrassment there. I can imagine there's some shame built up within them, and the reality of the response would have been, let's just run and hide. But instead, they ran to Jesus. And they said, well, we still got a lot to learn. <laughs> we still need you. So when we do fail, may our posture be to run towards Jesus, to learn more, to know more. And then look at verse 20. Because of your little faith, he told them, for truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. So Jesus does say, very particularly, they ask, why couldn't we drive him out? He says, because of your little faith. Their lack of belief. But Jesus' answer on the surface doesn't seem very helpful, does it? Because you would think that the response would be, oh, you a little faith, you need to be full and a mountainous of faith. But that's not what he says. He says, you have little faith, and then he compares that the faith that they need to believe to the smallest seed that can be found, a mustard seed. So he goes from, you have little faith, to all you need is the faith of a mustard seed. I can imagine the disciples going, I don't understand. I don't get it. You called us little faith, but now you're saying that all we need is little faith. That doesn't seem to help, Jesus. So Jesus is trying to show them in this moment, we're not talking about an amount here. We're not talking about a quantity here. What we're talking about is the focus is the object of your faith, not the amount. Jesus is acknowledging that the disciples have some faith, but it was focused on their own ability. Jesus is saying, you have little faith and you're not remembering that it's God's ability that you need to put your faith in, not your own. Yes, Jesus had given them the authority and the power, but they forgot that who gave them the authority and the power, and the focus needed to be on Jesus, not on themselves. They needed to be reminded that the object of their faith is Jesus. So many times, when people on this side of heaven, pray for healing, pray for God to do a miraculous thing, and they don't receive it on this side of heaven, the answer for many will be just to write them off and say, well, you just didn't have enough faith. Have you ever heard that? I'm believing God for this. I'm asking him to do this healing, this miraculous work, to move this mountain, and it doesn't happen on this side of heaven. And we can easily just flippantly go, well, 
Sorry, you didn't have enough faith. There must have been doubt somewhere in your prayers. Even though you were praying, even though you were confessing, you must have been hiding your doubt because if you didn't have any doubt or if you had enough faith, then you would have gotten your healing. That, that would have happened. That mountain would have been moved. But notice that Jesus doesn't say here, if you have the faith the size of a mountain, you can move mountains. That's not what he said at all. Now, he said, you only need the faith the size of a mustard seed. Again, the focus is not on the amount. The amounts are the same. The focus is on the object. I think another way that that this text can be misread is this. You can look at this text and say, okay, the onus, if you will, of having enough faith is up to us. We've got to do it. We've got to believe. We've got to have uh, enough faith. Many will say you just need to drum up enough faith within yourself. And if you can muster up enough faith, then you'll be able to move mountains. There are many, even you, but there are many that I've seen. There are many that even you may have experienced this. You've, you've prayed for healing or this miracle. And you have received it on this side of heaven. And there are others who have prayed with just as much faith and just as much belief and have not received their healing on this side of heaven. So what do we do with that? Instead of trying to figure out where they missed it, instead of trying to come up with an answer about how they must have doubted, instead of believing it's up to us, we trust in the sovereign hand of God. We trust that he knows more than we could ever. These verses are not about us getting whatever we want. These verses are giving us, are given to us to cause us not to look at ourselves for the power to believe, but to look to Jesus. To look to him as the object of our faith, because the scripture tells us he's the author and the finisher of our faith, right? Not us. One of the theologians I study is Frederick Bruner. He said this, he said, the picture of mountain moving that Jesus uses here is an illustrative hyperbole. Not so much about the power of faith as it is about the power of God that it p- deploys itself in the trusting weakness of the disciples. This mustard seed faith is faith that is conscious of its own unbelief and its own godlessness. Because let's be honest, if it was us, up to us, In order to receive anything from the Father, to not have any doubt, we would have nothing. Right? We all have doubts. We all look at what's in front of us and wonder. Yes, we have faith to believe, but we all know that we still have doubts. And if it was up to this no doubt, all faith equation for us to receive, we would have nothing. But in the goodness of the sovereign hand of God, he's still in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of us going, well, we weren't able to do this, he still comes through. And he's still faithful. Here's what I want you to see. 
I think sometimes we think faith is this big, extravagant thing. And, and again, we've read over the last several weeks and several months about amazing things like walking on water and casting out demons and healings. But I want to help you this morning. Sometimes faith is just getting out of bed. Sometimes faith is just getting out of bed when you feel so depressed you don't want to go on. Sometimes faith is just showing up. Even to church. Because I know that many of you, it's hard to come back in the door because the loved one that was there is no longer there sitting beside you. And it's hard to face that memory every single week. And the easy thing would be to do would to just be stay home and not deal with it and not have to face it. And there may be some days that that's what you need to do. But some days you're, the biggest act of faith you can do is just to take one more step forward. And it is through that mustard seed of faith. God said nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. Sometimes our faith does mean we take big steps. Sometimes our faith does mean that we seemingly step out on the water, but also it can mean we take the step of a mustard seed and just take one more step ahead. JJ, come on up. This morning, you the reality is you could be here and have never had any faith to believe because you've been trusting only in yourself. Maybe you've been relying on your good works or good deeds to save you, but deep down you know they never will. God knew you would keep trying it on your own. God knew that you would still try to put your hope in your own works. And even in his knowing that, he still sent Jesus. He still sent Jesus to be a perfect sacrifice for you. He still had Jesus come to earth even though he was God. And as we said, be tempted in every way that we are and live a perfect life here on earth. Die the death that you and I deserve so that you and I could be saved. So this morning, if you've never trusted in Jesus, you, you don't have to come up with the faith. <laughs> if you've been waiting to see, though, when I, whenever I can come up with the faith on my own to believe, then I'll profess that he is Lord. That's not how the Bible tells us that it works. The Bible said through God's gracious gift, he gives us the faith to believe. You say, well, how do I know if I have the faith? Well, in the Spirit's kindness... In this moment, and maybe in, in some time in this service, you felt the conviction of your sin. That's the indication that the Lord is at work 
And if you are feeling convicted and you know, I've got to do something about this, yet I can't do anything about this, that's the Spirit letting you know that Jesus is the only way. And he is giving you the faith to believe. What a wonderful thing. The Spirit of God at work, revealing that to us. And if you are in that moment right now, if you're feeling that simply ask the the Spirit, give me faith to believe that Jesus is Lord. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, I, I, I would ask to truly look to see, is Jesus the object of your faith? Are you relying on your own power or are you trusting in the power? Again, maybe you need to ask him for the faith, as we said, to just put one foot in front of the other. You know, if you feel weak in your faith, you're not cast out. If you feel weak in your faith this morning, you are not cast out. You are welcomed by him. And just as we saw the disciples go back to Jesus, I would invite you this morning to draw near to Jesus. And simply ask him, I need the faith, the faith of a mustard seed to once again believe that you are God and you are good. And the beautiful thing about that mustard seed faith is that it's a seed which means there is life. And when that seed is planted, even if it seems so small, even if it seems, oh, I should be past this, well, rest in his goodness and his timing. And just ask for that small mustard seed of faith that will then blossom and grow. And where there were days where the hardest thing you could do and the biggest step of faith you had was to get out of bed, you'll see, oh, that faith is blooming. That faith is growing what used to be so difficult for me. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have hard days again, but you can look back and you begin to see what used to be the most impossible thing for me to do because the faith that I had that was the size of a mustard seed that was implanted in me by the Spirit of God, now I'm able to take another step. I'm able to jog a little bit. And eventually you'll be able to run. But trust in his timing for that. So this morning, would you just take a moment One, thanking God for that that faith that is planted in us, but also asking him to give us the object that is him so that our faith can grow and grow.